Hello, late night listeners. Uh, this is Brian, and I wanted to let you know that we have a Patreon. It's a really fun thing. It's a great way to support the show, and it gets you access to all kinds of exclusive stuff. We have exclusive mini episodes. We have videos of me, for example, writing music for various things of the show. Leighton's doing all sorts of stuff, and it's just a really fun community. You also get access to our Discord if you sign up for our $5 a month tier or up. So uh, if you like the show and you like what you hear, please check us out over on Patreon. It's really a great way to to support us. Thanks so much. And enjoy Late Night with Brian Wecht. It's my Don Pardo impression. I feel like one, two, three clap is just the unofficial motto of 2020. It is. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't tell you how, what a lifesaver my impulse, disgustingly expensive decision to buy a gaming PC has been in quarantine for hosting and stuff. Cause I was like, oh, I'm going to buy a $4,000 PC so I can play Final Fantasy 14 on it. And that's it. <laughs> that's valid. Thank you. I was like, that's literally the entire reason I'm buying this. And I got like the huge, like 144 hertz monitor. I have dual screens. It's literally a Final Fantasy 14 machine. But then when we all stayed home and I'm a host and people are like, can you host from home? I'm like, as a matter of fact, with my setup, I can. <laughs> Did you get that like right after COVID kind of became a thing or was it right before or something? I got this PC like almost a year ago. So I've had it. Oh, so a while. Yeah, so I've had it for a bit. And the fact that it just happened to be really handy in this time because it's like, I have Zoom on it and like Snapcam so I can take two different video sources at once for recording on OBS and being in Zoom. That's awesome. And I have an external mic, which isn't for streaming or anything. And so I can talk to my friends and play Final Fantasy fourteen. That's so great. So we started this podcast in like late January and decided it was like, let's just get the gear, you know, get some nice mics, you know, just like you know, not go crazy, but like get good stuff and assume we're gonna be doing this for a while. And then a month later it was like Thank God. Like when all like immediately everyone was like, let's start a podcast. And <laughs> I've never been so happy that everything was sold out. <laughs> it's oh my gosh, capture yeah. cards and stuff. Like <sighs> once people realized like, oh, at home production is where it's at. Everything was sold out. I'm so happy that we were conveniently ahead of the curve and had all of our setups because who oh boy. I, I'm very glad to have this nice mic because I guess the thing for me, not previously having had any like professional recording equipment or whatever, the rigmarole every single time that I wanted to get on a Discord call with friends with like oh my god 10 different pairs of headphones where it's like, okay, these ones are Bluetooth, but they're not charged. Okay, this one doesn't have a mic. I have to get a different mic. What is the input source? What's the output? I'm just going to hang up. Sorry, guys. Goodbye. Oh my god. I guess I'm not hanging out with my friends. But now it's like, hell yeah, this is a uh, fucking buttery. Yeah. For me, the flip side is though, I actually had to to stop using it because I'd be doing like teletherapy with my therapist mm -hmm. and I felt like I was broadcasting <laughs> because I'm talking into this mic with headphones on and it felt like I, I tried it for a little bit and it just felt like I was like, wait, am I performing right now? It felt really, really false to be talking into like, you know, a nice mic while I'm spilling my guts about, you know, whatever bullshit. It's funny. I feel the exact <laughs> same way in my teletherapy. <laughs> Because <laughs> I yeah, use the right? setup because like we video chat and I'm like, oh, I don't want to like 
sit on my bed with my laptop or anything. So I guess I'll just use my streaming hosting setup and it's like yep. my professional cameras on with like my lighting setup and I'm like this <laughs> totally. is this is weird like <laughs> yeah 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 exactly at some point I switched over to like the the shitty built-in mic knowing that it would be worse audio but that I would feel like it was a more intimate thing I should put in my shitty airpods <laughs> just for therapy cinema verite you know it's <laughs> keeping it real keeping it dogma 95 like my therapist doesn't need my ring light. She, she doesn't need to see all of that. It's not necessary. How have you found uh, teletherapy? So it's interesting because I'm, I'm home right now helping my parents and my grandmother, you know, during lockdown, everybody bands together, right? And I definitely find it hard to like be completely open because like what if somebody knocks on my door like I feel like boundaries have disappeared in there in quarantine oh yeah mm -hmm. so I find that sense a little bit difficult that I don't think I'm getting the most out of my therapy that I could be but it's okay my therapist is really good about letting me talk so we don't have those really awkward like oh no you go you go oh wait no yeah, yeah you go yeah. like but I miss a therapist's office like a lot <laughs> totally. do you feel the same I totally agree with you because, you know, I live with a, a six-year-old who boundaries do not exist for children. Mm. So, mm -hmm. you know, she'll literally like burst into any room at any time, including bathrooms, of course. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Just the other day, I was taking a shower and I heard the door open and I was like, hello? And there's a tiny little face peeks in the shower curtain and she's like, I feel lonely. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm taking a shower right now. Like, can you, I'll be out in a second. And she was like, okay, daddy. You know, they just need like reassurance that you're still around. Right. So yeah, that lack of object permanence. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's also, you know, with everything being so weird with the distance learning and the whole schedule. I mean, she's kind of used to it now or so I thought till she walked in on the third shower in a week. But uh, <laughs> the, the, you know, the, it's very stressful for everyone, especially little kids who can't really understand what's going on. I mean. Neither can I. Yeah, none of us can. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, so I totally agree with you. The boundaries thing is is very hard. But except for that, I have actually been surprised at how how much I like teletherapy. If I can get into my own space and lock a door and just go. Mm -hmm. Actually, the therapist I'm seeing now is someone I started with remotely. You know, it was after I was kind of between therapists for a little bit. And then when everything went to shit, I was like, I got to get myself fucking back in therapy right now right. or yeah. it's going to be dire. Uh, <laughs> and so the therapist I found, we started over remotely and it's, it is not the same as an office. And I definitely agree with you that I prefer the in-person thing for all the obvious reasons, but I'm surprised by how much I like the teletherapy. Yeah, it's not bad. I think it's weird because I don't mind therapy over video chat, but I can't stand not being in my psychiatrist's office. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is, but like when I talk to him specifically, I'm like, I, I feel like I need you and I to feel each other's vibes. Maybe it's because yeah. therapy's more like, let's dissect that. Let's have an open space for you to talk about things that are hard. But for psychiatry, it's like, I'm prescribing you a medication. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving you chemicals to make your regular chemicals less bad. Exactly. And I'm like, it's not even that like I don't trust him because I like 
trust this dude with my life, literally, obviously. Right. Um, but there's just something that feels off to me when we have our, our consultations over video chat. Mm. And that's, I think, the most frustrating part is because in these dire times, I'm like, I need my meds adjusted. Mm-hmm. I can't go in and get my meds adjusted. Yeah. Huh. So that's actually a big thing. Mine is just talk therapy. It's a mm. psychologist, not a psychiatrist. So I, I'm not getting prescribed stuff. Yeah, that's a big difference for sure. I have both of them. I go to a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Psychologist, I'm like, whatever. Yeah, we, we chat. I miss at the office, but it's not, it's not bad. But I'm like, I miss my psychiatrist. <laughs> I actually, about a month ago, I'm part of this online uh, science conference we do every year called Nexus. It's like a pop science thing. And, you know, it's like science talks for the general public. It's mm-hmm. usually in New York in person. This year was all online. And I moderated a panel on mental health and telemedicine. Mm-hmm which I learned so much shit from, it was three social worker psychologist types. They were all kind of researchers, but one of whom was like a very notable researcher. Ernestine Briggs King is her name, if anyone wants to look her up. Here's something I learned that there's a big issue. Tell me to shut up if this is not interesting, by the way. (laughs) Some of the people were based in Connecticut and they said if their clients or patients, whatever you call them, go to New York, which is like whatever, a 10 minute drive from where they are, they're legally not allowed to treat them if they know they're in New York. Whoa. Because they're not licensed in New York because not all states have reciprocity with licenses. Right. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. Right? So they have to basically tell their clients, don't tell me where you are right now. (laughs) I'm going to pretend you're in Connecticut. I mean, I'm slightly putting words in their mouths, but there's a little bit of like, uh, kind of the less I know, uh, the better. But one of the things, to your point, one of the things that they were talking about is, especially when you're dealing with people that you're prescribing medication to or people with addiction issues, mm. if you can't get vitals and read body language, it becomes a huge challenge yeah. to treat people, right? Because imagine, like, if you think one of your patients has has relapsed, for example, mm. there are all these cues you can pick up on in person that mm. you can't really do uh, remotely. And I was like, oh my God, I never never thought about that. It was so interesting. Did they have like ideas about like, how do you even get around that in like a telehealth sense? I mean, people are trying different things. You basically just have to kind of get used to the person, but there are some things that you, you honestly just can't get around, you know, yeah. uh, in a telehealth unless, you know, for vitals, people could go get like a blood pressure thing, you know, or a pul- you know, whatever to check some vitals, but not everyone can afford that. You know, you can't assume that people are going to have good equipment, like some things you just can't get around except for in person. And there's also, I think, a thing, at least for me, when it comes to seeing a psychiatrist, that it's like to be way less sciencey. And it's just there's a vibe that you kind of feel off of each other, you know, 100 percent. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's so important about face to face, because like, yeah, if you have like the flu and then a doctor over Skype can say, you have the symptoms of a flu, drink some fluids, mm-hmm. go back to bed. But you don't need to see somebody's body language for that. It's like, I feel like what's so amazing about my psychiatrist specifically, he's like one of the best in LA. He's like really in tune to everything. He also has beautiful eyes. He's just all around <laughs> 10 out of 10, great package. That's um, awesome. But I felt like he saw things that I was hiding and like confronted me about it. That rules. That's yeah. Wow. That's really great. That's so hard to do. Exactly. And it was like our first session too. I've been seeing him for years, like six years now, I think. 
Um, but one of our first sessions, it was like, I was very closed off and everything I wasn't saying, he like laid out in front of me and I was like, oh, damn. (laughs) Oh, like, okay, Sherlock, (laughs) Jesus. Right. Honestly, I was like, this is a little freaky that you can pick me apart so easily, but I can see the difference between me being in person and me being on Skype with him. It's like, usually the things that he would just bust me on, he isn't. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, it's not like- wow super bad or anything or like, oh my God, I'm not getting treated as well as I should be. But I don't know. It's like, there's definitely a difference. No, but it's like the subtle stuff that makes you realize like, oh, this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. Yep. That. Yeah. I have a psychiatrist that I've been seeing for a while. I don't think I've ever had like a genuinely good psychiatrist. I really do not vibe with her, but it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, I would like to still get my medication, please. (laughs) Um, And every six months we have our 15 minute phone call that cost me $200 where I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'm very sad, but I do not wish to loosen my already tenuous grip on reality any further. And then she's like, okay, see you in six months. What's your credit card number, by the way? Wow. Oh my God. That was my first psychiatrist. Yeah. I, I liked Brian, how you put it earlier of being a between therapists. I am also currently between therapists. And it's so hard. It's so hard to find people. I picked a hell of a time to stop going, which was like yeah. in December, I think. <laughs> yeah. The lady I'd been seeing for two years, but like, you know, you get to a point where you're like, actually, I don't gel with this person. I'm dreading coming to these appointments, not because I don't want to unpack stuff, but just because it's like Mm -hmm. a slog and makes me feel bad. And like, what am I doing with my money and my time? Totally. And like, I've been in therapy straight since I was 13. So I was like, oh, I'll I'll take a little sabbatical from therapy and not have to do the hard digging at myself and insecurities, you know, every week, if not twice a week. Yeah. And then 2020 happened and I was like, oh, hmm. Mm, okay, I'll I'll figure this out. So, between therapists. That's exactly why I went back. It was 2020 and I needed something <laughs> to go back to. Yeah, yeah. hindsight is 2020. Oof, <laughs> oof, oof. But I feel like I don't know, once you get that bad therapist cuz like the <laughs> I was between therapists uh back in like high school, middle school cuz like I I've, I've also been going since I was 13. And this was more like the family therapist. And so I thought, oh, whatever. He knows my family. So this will be easier to talk to him. But then he suggested rebirthing me and I dropped him like a hot potato. <gasps> oh, oh my God. That. Yeah. Fuck that to the ends of the earth. Uh-huh. Like people die. Candace Newmaker died. I was also like, dude, you should theoretically know me. Because then he started coming at me with all this like religion shit. And I was like, Ooh, dude. That's awful. You know, that's not how I vibe at all. And it was so offensive because I felt like for like five, six years of my life, he had been ignoring everything I was saying. Yeah. Oh, man. And was just plotting to push this crazy agenda on me. And then on top of that, I had the psychiatrist that sounded like, well, you're going through late, which was just like, cool, you're sad. Okay, bye. See you in a year. Like we never actually talked. And then when I had this new psychiatrist and we sat down and like talked for an hour and then he's like, I don't know if I want to prescribe you this yet, but we'll have a meeting in a week and we'll keep talking. I was like, what? That's crazy. Yeah. That's what actually happens. And like, we actually worked with a med that's right for me. That's awesome. And I don't know. It's just, it sucks when you're not neurotypical (laughs) and you have to go through this. And especially knowing like, if you're medicated, your body's going to get used to it. And then you have to go on something else. It's like, it's never ending. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, once you find the thing that works, sometimes it just stops working. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, hate that. 
time to taper off this 200 milligrams of chemicals. It's going to take you a long time and your brain's going to be like, hey, where did they go? Where are my chemicals? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't give you any more. And the next time I give you more, it's probably going to make you shit your brains out or something like that. Like <laughs> yeah. antidepressant side effects. <gasps> it's like bargaining with an evil genie who's like, well, you can be less sad. You're never going to come again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like totally the sensitivity that you want from somebody who is prescribing you medication of them like knowing like, okay, I know you struggle with this, so this might not be the best option and not what my current ones. I just need to drop mine ASAP because she'll be like, so what do you think that we should do with your dosage? And I was like, what? Well, isn't that kind of your job? And she was like, well, do you think we should go up or go down? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that is your job. What? (laughs) Yeah. That is negligent to be frank, right? Like that's, you know, that's like asking a patient like, well, how much oxy do you think you need? (laughs) No, that's not what you do. It's your job to fucking give the give out the prescription. You know, it's it, come on. Frankly, doctor, I think I need eight bottles of oxy. Don't yeah. check on that. I mean, yeah, I, I, there's probably some version where patients actually do know what they need. Of course, I'm sure that happens all the time, but that is uh, that just makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm sorry that I don't know the intricacies of lamotrigine or I'm saying lamictal. Lamictal is the name of it. Oh my god. No way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I had to throw that one on. (laughs) We're just getting deeper in the mental health shit. Right? Yeah, right away. (laughs) Fun start to an episode. (laughs) But yeah, I've been on SSRIs for a really long time. And then I upped my dosage again. And then I had a hypomanic episode. And that's yep, yep, yep. That's when I was like, oh yeah, so you probably shouldn't just be on Zoloft. You'd need a mood stabilizer. And I was like, I mean, yeah, that would be good. I don't like that I took this medication. And then for a week I was just Superman and now I am sad again. Dude. I'm very tired. Yeah. Yeah. Zoloft gave me nightmares for weeks. <sighs> It totally is one of those ones where like it works for my brain, but the side effects. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So off shits, baby. So good. Oh, there they are. <laughs> yep. Man. I-, I am fascinated by which types of medication give different people the shits. It is. <laughs> but, well, I- and I really mean this because I feel like it's something that people don't talk about much. Because, you know, I- I- who really wants to talk about their shits in public? Not a ton of people. Obviously, you two have no problem with it. Welcome to Late Night with Brian Wecht. <laughs> Which is great. No, but I, I think it's important to talk about this stuff, as well as mental health in general, right? Because this is something that a lot of people are working with, are struggling with, are mm-hmm. trying to deal with. Like, I didn't know Zoloft shits were a thing. I don't know enough to really say it, but I bet a lot of people who have been on Zoloft have experienced this. But I wonder if you Google Zoloft shits, if this is a thing people talk about, even though it's a very real phenomenon. So I think it's important to talk about these like, you know, maybe <laughs> harder to talk about side effects yeah. that a lot of people are suffering from or dealing with, whatever you want to say, but aren't talked about that much. I'm sorry to undercut the very serious thing you just said. I, out of curiosity, just Googled Zoloft shits. Oh yes, please. Phenomenal. The very first thing that comes up from Reddit, I shit my pants <laughs> <laughs> from r slash Zoloft. <laughs> first of all, I didn't realize there was an R slash Zoloft. That's great. Oh, it's, uh, for the, it's for the Zobros, baby. I'm crying. <laughs> you know, I would not wish the Zoloft shits on my worst enemy. Seriously. Maybe like one of them, but not the rest of them. Like <laughs> n- nobody should have to 
put up with it. It's it's very stupid. I wouldn't wish the Zoloft nightmares on my worst enemy either. They're so vivid. They're so bad. It's like you can wake up and think you're still there. They're that like realistic and vivid and horrible. Wow. They're on par with like, if you smoke a lot of weed and then you stop for a while and then your brain's like, oh, you're not giving me weed. Do you want nightmares? Do you want some nightmares instead? It's like those, but a little bit more realistic. Rachel talks about this a lot is like since COVID started, her dreams have been bananas. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I've always had a problem with nightmares because it's just a weird side effect of like my severe anxiety, which like, thanks body. That's (laughs) making it worse but okay whatever floats your boat but since covid i've had like a lot more night terrors of like being trapped obviously Mm -hmm. don't need a dream journal to tell me about that (laughs) why yeah kind of self-explanatory and i've had a bunch where like yeah yeah things happen in my home like my home turned into an active volcano and i was burned alive or my home was the site of an alien invasion and i was murdered or all of them end with me dying I feel like I should talk to somebody, but okay, I do. I talked to my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) But it's because I've been so confined in my home, all of my night terrors center around my home. Yeah. It's kind of sucky. Between Zoloft and additional anxiety brain, they've always been like very vivid and chaotic. And especially since this started, it's been just nonstop. But I'm not sure about y'all, but like every single night, there is at least some section where it's like, I'm in public and I do not have a mask. And it's just like an awful, like vulnerable feeling. I haven't had that yet. Really? Yeah, I haven't had that either. Now I'm probably going to have that since I've been aware of it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I haven't had the the wild dreams for much of this, but when I do, they're always like kid related and something's happening with Audrey or, you know, it's some, something going on with that. I mean, Rachel said she's been having wild dreams almost every night. I've generally escaped that. But when they do happen, which is, I don't know, maybe once a week that I remember, it's usually kid stuff. Yeah, there's something about, I guess, for people who don't have kids, like a protect the dog dream is awful. (laughs) Where it's like, oh, I have a dog. I have to keep the dog safe. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Oh, no. I I have to protect myself and I have to protect the dog. I will die for the dog. I think my brain knows that if, it put my dog in danger in my own dream, I would never recover from that. Because I thankfully have not had any horrible things happening to my dog dreams. I think my brain knows its limits, even though it's still like horrible to me. It's like, listen, even in my most depressed state, I'm not going there. And I'm like, thank you, brain. I'm glad we have this understanding. (laughs) Tell us all about your dog. I want to know about this dog. Yes, please. Oh my God. Okay, so her name is Rainy. She's a toy poodle. Rainy, did you say? Rainy. She's named after my D&D character from Critical Role. Nice. (laughs) I actually was going to name her Valkyrie, but it was my dad's suggestion to name her after my D&D character, which I was like, okay, that's actually kind of cute. That rules. That is precious. But she was a Christmas present, a surprise, because I've been begging for a new dog since my old dog passed away, like... freshman year of college so like ages ago yeah right we were such a dog household we've definitely been missing that four-legged shaped thing in our life but tragically our old poodle passed from cancer and it was like a really Mm. hard like three-year battle so it was a little Mm. scarring on all of us yeah but my therapist and my psychiatrist kept telling everybody in my family they're like this girl needs a dog like (laughs) 
she needs a dog. I don't know if I need to get out a prescription pad and write dog on it, but like you need to get this fucking girl a dog. By the way, I love the idea of pet prescriptions. That is phenomenal. Right? They're like literally going to be like dog. Like, I don't think you get it. When I lived in Austin for two years, I was about to get my own dog. Like I went through the process of applying for this golden doodle beagle like mix it was like the specific rescue group Hmm. and i went through all the process i did the home visit they were like you're gonna great dog mom everything was great but every dog i applied for got snatched up or they had medical Mm -hmm. issues and they got taken down so it was like Mm -hmm. through the two years i lived there i was fighting and fighting and fighting to try and get a dog then i moved back home to la and then finally i came back from unplugged in boston right before christmas and i was tired i was coming home i opened the door and there was like a tiny dog sitting on my mom's lap. And I was like, my brain didn't compute what was going on because she had this giant red bow <laughs> around her neck and Christmas music was playing. And I was like, oh, are we taking care of a friend's dog or something? And my mom was like, no, this is like, she's yours. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And I started like fucking sobbing. I was like Aww. a goddamn hot mess. There's a video of it on my dad's iPad somewhere. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> this is the official Reenie Instagram that Layton just put in the chat? Okay. Yes, on. that is the official Reenie Instagram. Yeah, as always, when we have somebody on the show, I have to do my due diligence and look at their <laughs> Instagram and see if they have an Instagram for their pet. It's just important. I, I try to do my best. I think I made her Instagram on day two of owning her. <laughs> oh, I, I did the same thing with my dog. It's There's no shame. There's no shame. I was like, she's an Instagram-worthy puppy. So we've always had poodles in our in our lives and... I honestly, we say it every day in our house. We're like, we don't know if we could have survived this without a pet. Like, mm-hmm. she is this bright bundle of joy, even though she pees on the floor a lot. Like, she's working on it. She's almost there. <laughs> she's she's like 90% housebroken. But there's something about this unconditional love from this, like, fuzzy being that would totally lay down their life for you and you for them that just makes quarantine and, like, the fucking apocalypse tolerable. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And they have no idea what any of that means. Right. Could you imagine? She's just like, oh my God, I woke up today. We went on a walk. I got food and that's all that's happening. And I'm like, oh, you dumb little creature. You have no idea. Now I'm going to sleep on this larger creature's lap for four hours. And when I wake up, I'm going to get treats and we're going to play. And that's all my life is. And I'm going to shit on the floor and they're not even going to get mad because I'm fucking cute. Yeah, we we have uh Coco is we don't quite know, like 10, 11-ish. Uh Pitbull, exceptionally stupid, even for a dog. Oh. I mean, I, I I think on definitely on the dumber side, like, you know, throw food, bounces off her head, she just stands there, kind of oh. kind of side. She's a, a very sweet dog. Like, it is not a, an aggressive bone in this dog's body. But she's aging and constantly follows Rachel around the house. So literally, she must have gone through some traumatic shit earlier in her life because she, when we got her, she clearly had some PTSD type mm-hmm. issues, like freaked out whenever there were there were doorways, like wouldn't go through doorways, oh. like would kind of hang back and then like shoot through them. So there was clearly some trauma going on in this dog's life and then became like soul bonded to Rachel. To the mm-hmm. extent where she won't lay down, she'll just follow Rachel around the house all day, as will Audrey. So Rachel is now, <laughs> especially since everybody's been home for the last you know six or whatever months, just has this thing where she has two living creatures constantly trailing her <laughs> throughout the house, and it's 
as much as she loves both of them, it grows a little wearying when you can't have two seconds to yourself without being licked or, you know, someone calling you. Yeah. (laughs) To the very lesser extent, I think because Remy's only had like two months that we weren't in quarantine because we got her in December, right? Oh, was this past Christmas? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she's very, very new. So she's really used to constant family and human interaction. And even though our old dog was also like pretty clingy and lovey just because like we gave her a lot of love and attention, like I can't pee alone. Like, oh, yeah. God forbid I have the door closed. That's unacceptable to Rini. She will be like, um, excuse me, mother. Are you, are, you, are you peeing without me? I have to supervise. So she'll come in and she'll push the door open and she'll just sit in front of me and just make sure that she's near. We had to start closing Audrey's door at night because Coco would mm, once a week just get in bed and we'd hear, Mommy, Coco's in bed at like three in the morning. We're like, all right, well, I'm going to close the door. This seems like a good place for us to introduce ourselves. Oh, yes. Uh, sure thing. So, everybody, this is Layton Night with Brian Weck. That's Layton. Hi, this is me. The other voice you just heard is Brian. What's up? Very sweet, lovely mystery guest. Would you care to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Mika Burton, and I love dogs. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about as concise as you could be. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what might listeners know you from? Oh, um, you might know me from Overwatch League or from Critical Role, or from various D&D and esports things uh, under that large umbrella, or hosting things. I do too much. You do a lot. Cosplay. I I need naps, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time I look at your socials, I was like, oh, she's doing that now? Oh, whoa. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Like it, it seems like you just keep adding more and more stuff to what you're doing, which is amazing. Thank you. I, yeah, it's very impressive. It's really just because, like, as both of you know, in this crazy internet entertainment world, you can't set down roots because they could be burned Yeah. in the next yeah. five seconds. So I feel like I have to be like that octopus, kind of getting my little tentacle and everything, just in case one of those tentacles gets chopped off and made into sushi. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, if I sit still, then the bad thoughts happen. Oh, 90% <laughs> of it. I cannot sit still or the bad thoughts happen. I, I think about this a lot. When people, sometimes younger fans will be like, how do I get involved in entertainment or whatever? And I feel like the number one thing I didn't appreciate when I was first starting out that I do appreciate now is it's all about side hustles, right? Oh, yeah. And and just kind of throwing the net everywhere you think might be interesting or cool. And then if something pops, it pops and you do that for a little while. But I feel like that's not something that people talk about a lot you know what i mean but that's like i feel like it's a hundred percent of the game pretty much i think it's also because we as creators have to have that nuanced talk about don't make every hobby monetized because we have problems with that right yes <laughs> totally unfortunately my new prominent career of D was a hobby that i then turned into a career not unfortunately it's my favorite part of my career right now but that's why i don't stream video games anymore because i'm like 14 is for myself. Monster Hunter is for myself. I need to have something that is just for me because everything I do, whether it be cosplay, modeling, acting, esports, D&D, it's all for everyone else. And I needed my safe space. So that's video games. It's for me and my friends on Discord. So you made a conscious decision like I'm not streaming anymore. Mm -hmm. This is just for me. Yep. I was like, if I stream, it'll be maybe a rare special occasion. I don't want to be a partner. 
I don't want to have a Twitch community. I don't want to be on Twitch because I need something that's not monetized or a job. And time. It's like if you're constantly taking every you know free moment of your day and turning that into a public thing, mm-hmm. it's just like exhausting. It's true. And it's so much easier to trick yourself into doing it right now because you're like, well, it's not like I'm going anywhere. This is sort of like social. I can, you know, wake up early and do my quote unquote normal work until like six and then I can start streaming and then, uh oh, it's 10 p.m. I guess I'm going to relax by dot, dot, dot doing work. Yeah. Yeah. It's really frustrating. I almost fell down the streaming rabbit hole because when conventions all started canceling and I guessed at conventions, I was like, oh, there's 40% of my income burned up in the stratosphere. I was like, I guess I have to go sell myself on Twitch now. But then I was like, no, I will not. I have to keep this to me because I think that's so important being, I hate the word, but an influencer, being Mm -hmm. somebody who is on the internet for a job, it's very easy to just lose yourself to the internet. Yeah. I've also stepped back from Twitter a lot. I've stepped back from- Always a good idea. Instagram a lot. It's like very occasional posts. I don't share anything that I think really anymore because I'm just tired Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I think that in this time, I've really thankfully, you know, after all the breakdowns and crying and tears, have cultivated a healthier relationship with social media. And by that, I mean forcing myself away from it. (laughs) You know what I found was really useful? Do you know Buffer? No. Okay, so Buffer is great because it lets you post and it doesn't show you shit. So you don't need to see a timeline. You don't need to see comments. I kind of use it on and off for NSP stuff, but you can schedule stuff in advance if you want, and you never need to see anything other than what you want to see. So it literally is a one-way street out from you to your feeds, and it lets nothing in, and it rules. That is awesome. I think I still am breaking my bad habit of like doom scrolling and (sighs) checking in on things, especially because I like to be able to curate my space. So if some assholes are like commenting something disgusting, I do want to be able to like block them, you know? Oh yeah, that's important. Do you do any of the auto block stuff? Oh yeah. I have those specific uh, slurs, (laughs) auto block and stuff like that. Um, People find the way around it. Also with all the bots that are running rampant, I just like to keep my space clean because- Right now, Twitter is a huge part of my job. Yeah, totally. I wish that I could nuke it and walk away, but I, yeah. I cannot. I mean, I literally do talks on why Twitter is bad, but it's just everyone's there for a different reason, doing different things. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to use it. Then you have people who take advantage of the fact that you are an identity and like they're able to hide behind the veil of anonymity and just discourse and drama and people yelling at each other. And it's like, I just want to share this thing and go away. And yep. uh it's exhausting. Doom scrolling is such a scourge on my brain. Yeah, God. It's hard not to, though. Yeah. yeah We're all yes. stuck at home doing nothing. And we get our information from the internet. And sometimes you just sit there and you can't help but like scroll through all the bad shit that's happening. And I feel like a lot of the emotions are heightened. Um, mm-hmm. And people feel like because our world and universe is just imploding and nobody's listening. On Twitter, people are listening to me. 
And everything I say holds weight because I have a voice. And I think that a lot of people are taking that to the next level. And then that's when the infighting and the discourse happens, which is why I'm just like, you know what? We can't all go outside and smell a tree like we need to. So I'm just going to remove myself. Yeah. Well, and of course, the algorithm prioritizes things that are the loudest voices and draw the most Mm -hmm. outrage. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that everyone feels like, you know, they need to be loud. It's the the stuff they're seeing gives preferential weight to to precisely those things. Yeah. And the fact that you can't turn off stuff like, oh, people who liked this, liked this, or this here's a tweet from a person that you follow follows. Like there's a reason you can't turn that off, and it's because they want you to be fucking mad so they can make money. Yeah. Yep. Have you seen now that Twitter lets you choose who can reply to shit? Yes. I haven't actually used it yet, but I think I'm about to. <laughs> so I did that on one tweet once. And then all people will do is just at you directly rather than under the tweet. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Or they'll quote tweet it. It's like it doesn't do anything. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Like if you could just block like, okay, you can't quote tweet this. Even that. I mean, the, the introduction of the quote tweet, woof. Like the yeah. extension of the character limit and the quote tweet ad really were um, just like, hey, how do we make this worse? How do we yeah. make this terrible platform just way worse? NSP lost a bunch of followers when they upped the character limit because I would just post a hundred emojis, and <laughs> <laughs> it's like eggplant, 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 and I did that for I think a solid week, where you know you'd put line breaks in between them so they'd be really long and just dominate people's feeds. Oh my god! It turns out, well, not it turns out. I knew this would be the case. Hated it. And <laughs> But that was part of the joy. Every once in a while, social media gives you a gift. So, for example, when I was running the Grump socials, uh, do you know about Grid Post on Instagram? I oh, yeah. unfollowed the Grumps page after yes. that, Brian. Hell yeah. Yes. Mission fucking accomplished. I know exactly what you were about to talk about because that was the pain of my existence. So it's Susie's fault because she said, Hey, Brian, did you know about GridPost? And I was like, no, I didn't know Mm. about it. So for those of you who don't know what this is, it basically lets you split up an image into nine or whatever, uh, you know, sub pieces, and then you can post them so they look like, you know, the full image when laid out on your, what's the profile, I guess, on Instagram. And so it forms a grid of the smaller things. And so what I would do when I was running Grumps is I would take images and then post them with two things out of order. And not only would it completely eat up people's feeds, it drove people wild because it was intentionally designed to look weird. I didn't want to traumatize anyone. I just thought this would be funny and kind of annoying. And it turns out we lost several thousand uh, <laughs> when I started doing that, which I was quite proud of, including uh, you, Mika. Because I knew you were behind it, and I knew that if I just unfollowed for like a week and then came back, it would be over. So that's what I did. I was told to stop. like Because I'd, I'd go into Aaron's office, and I'd be like, dude, check it out. We lost a thousand more followers. And he was like, you have to stop this <laughs> right, right now. He's like, I think it's funny, but you know, you realize your job is to like, get us more followers, not lose the ones we have. Uh, <laughs> oh my I God. mean, speaking of side hustles, Brian, you could totally like, you know, fuck Cameo. You could market your services of, I will help you lose thousands of followers. It's a premium service. 
Yeah, help you lose thousands of followers, but not by doing anything offensive, just by being irritating. I think that's, you can lose and gain followers by saying horrible shit. The thing is, is that a lot of people do that on Twitter for free. <laughs> True. Yes. I am so thrilled that you unfollowed that account, Mika. Like, I, oh my God, that is such a compliment. I think that's so funny. You, you were successful in your uh, quest to annoy people to unfollowing because I was like, I know this is Brian. I know he's doing yep. this. Yeah. I just, I can't do this this week. I just, I cannot. There, there was another thing I was really proud of. I didn't think we were going to get into this. I've actually never talked about this stuff really publicly, uh, where in some November, I posted a turkey picture every day except Thanksgiving. And I I was having such a great time. And that turkey actually would keep showing. It was like this real turkey looking turkey, you know, with its feathers all out, like real like, you know, chubby little turkey thing, you know, with the uh, waddle. I'm sorry, did you say a turkey looking turkey? Yeah, you fucking heard me. It was real turkey. <laughs> And, oh uh, yeah, that was great too. There was a while, was I doing this on NSP or Grumps? I can't remember where. Just any, any random day uh, in the year, I would say happy Canadian Thanksgiving and post the turkey picture. I thought it was a great joke. And it is. No one liked it. Honestly, here's the thing, <laughs> is that whenever it comes to like hilarious social media and I talk about it with like other people who aren't quite in the gaming industry, I always point to like the NSP and like Grumps Aww. Twitter. Because Thank you. there's just something about the Brian TM like humor <laughs> that is just my specific brand of horrible humor. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it always makes me smile. NSP and, and Twerps Twitter are also, I'm like, oh. Twerps Twitter is extremely good. 10 out of 10. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. <laughs> Of course, now Ali is doing Grump social media and has been for several years. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing. Like, so I stopped and then she took over shortly thereafter. Uh, and then it was like, oh, she actually knows what she's doing. And you know, <laughs> it's, it's like a real social media account. Yeah, because Ali's a fucking genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, this isn't just literally constant shit posting. <laughs> there was this whole fucking thing. Do you remember this about the different chain restaurants taking grumps to prom do you remember this at all oh yeah oh like the wendy's thing it was like i got like taco bell and arby's and i think wendy's wasn't steakums a part of this steakum was i think part of a separate thing but we did have interaction with that person for sure <laughs> a light flirtation with steakums indeed but that was really fun i, I loved like taunting brands of course who loved it because they were getting kind of free advertising which i well knew but just getting these big time accounts to like respond to shit posting was was always my dream and i feel like that was before the influx of every single brand trying to be yes. oh my god denny's twitter to the point where it's just like i hate all of you just log off it was right on the cusp of that it was right before yeah. that turn to all right brands like we get it shut up silence brand exactly silence <laughs> brand is like the thing but I think what started brands actually becoming sentient was <laughs> like, do you guys remember Nihilist Arby's? Of course. Yep. I feel like they took a cue from a fake account, Nihilist Arby's, and was like, what if we were quirky and cynical? <laughs> and then yeah. brand Twitter was born. And it's amazing to see which ones do it well. I think Steakum is the best example where it was like the Steakum Bless thing for a while and then became like very responsible, like social justice stuff for <laughs> like the last several months in such a way that you're like, wow, this is like 
super well written. I had some DMs with the the person running that, mm-hmm. and they always seemed awesome. But I feel like they took a tack where it was like, okay, yes, as they you know acknowledge all the time, like a social media account selling frozen beef, but also saying stuff that is, I think, exceptionally well done. Yeah. But there aren't many that can pull that off or do it that well. And then infinitely more where you're like, uh-uh, nope, turn yeah. it off. Oh, God. The fucking baby peanut shit with <laughs> planters. I was like, So bad, yeah. What if I just stopped eating peanuts now? Like, you're doing the opposite of what you want me to do. Like, fuck peanuts. 100%. Ugh. So many of the stupid things are just like the intentional, like not even outrage because who gives enough of a shit about this, but like the outrage marketing of like, oh, we're going to change International House of Pancakes to IHOP. Oh my God. <laughs> let's see how many episodes I can go without mentioning Taco Bell. But I was really, <laughs> really, really hoping that all the the menu getting axed was going to be like an outrage. Like, oh, we're going to get everybody talking about how much they love our products and how much they're going to miss our products. And then we're going to be like, just kidding, they're back. That would have been very smart of them. Yeah. But no, that's not what happened. Did they keep the cheesy gordita crunch? No. What? I don't think they did. Wait, did they? If they got rid of the cheesy gordita crunch, then like Taco Bell's about to hear from me. This is a very tense moment. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Apparently it's still, still there. Okay. (laughs) You're on thin ice, Taco Bell. You're on thin fucking ice. (laughs) Oh. First, they came for the caramel apple empanadas and then <laughs> then everything else. I All I heard what about was the, the pizza. They got rid of like the taco pizza. Oh, no. The Mexican pizza was yeah. gone? It's it's like most of the menu. All potato products, the quesarito. Wait, 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 wait. Does that mean that no more nacho fries? Uh, I'm not positive. Hold on. Talk about menu change 2020. They got rid of pico de gallo. What? Yep. They got rid of the Mexican pizza, pico de gallo. Like the side? Yeah. Come the fuck on. No chicken burrito, shredded chicken quesadilla melt, no chicken soft taco. They got rid of chicken. Chicken's just gone. Yeah, the shredded chicken. They have the regular chicken, which sucks, but not the shredded chicken, which is good. Just fucking shred your chicken. (laughs) They got rid of all the loaded grillers. You can't even get fucking chips and dip. What? And the potatoes. I mean, the the loss of the spicy potato soft taco and the cheesy fiesta potatoes is just fucking devastating. Chips and dip? That seems like such low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Right? Like They also got rid of the quesarito and the seven-layer burrito. Fuck this. Not to mention previously, they got rid of the goddamn Cool Ranch tacos, which were my favorite. A front against Mm. God. How dare they get rid of that? (laughs) I am so upset. I will face God and walk backwards into hell. Fuck you, Taco Bell. (laughs) Fuck you, Taco Bell. We haven't had any guests on who like grew up in LA. Right. Oh, yes, I did. I am curious, like your local LA, obviously you don't need to get location or anything like that, (laughs) but like favorite LA stuff you grew up with. I realize this is very niche. I I don't know how many people listen to this, but (laughs) in town, probably not many, but I want to know for my own benefit. Yeah. Like the shit you grew up with in LA that you love. So it's definitely a lot different now, um, but I used to always go to the Sherman Oaks Fashion Square. Ah, yes. Before it was Westfield. It was just the Fashion Square. I used to go and throw pennies in that fountain with the koi in it all the time. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And the Disney store there was like my old stomping ground. Yep. I've been to that store for sure. And I think that because my elementary school was in West Hollywood, I would hang out around Melrose a lot with my mom when she would like pick me up from school. Mm-hmm. And there was this old pancake place. It's not there anymore. And it's heartbreaking because they went out of business during the first recession of my lifetime. 
it was this French pancake place on Melrose. And they told us part of the secret recipe that made their pancakes so good. I mean, it was like pancakes that I would kill somebody over. Wow. They use cake flour in their pancakes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that is the move. Okay. And it was like the fresh lemon blueberry with like the lemon curd. And like, it was, it was so French. That sounds awesome. That was one of my favorite places to go. And then I went to Archer School for Girls in Brentwood. So Brentwood was my high school hangout. I would just kind of Mm -hmm. chill around there. Um, That's the thing is like, I was such a overly produced kid because I started thinking about college and elementary school Mm -hmm. that I didn't have favorite hangouts because I was in soccer or basketball or theater or choir. Tell me about it. That was me. Or violin (laughs) or karate or taekwondo or horseback riding or archery or cheerleading or fencing. It was like never ending. Back up to archery just for a second here. Yes. (laughs) Tell You did archery? I was trained in archery for a few years um, to the point that I have like an Olympic bow with a stabilizer and everything on it. What the fuck? That yeah. rules. Whoa. Thank you. I haven't picked up my bow in ages, so I'm sure I can't even drop back because I don't have those back muscles anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my thing for like four years. Did you compete? I didn't get a chance to because theater took my time up. Archery was like something that I wanted to compete in, but every time that I tried to really buckle down, it was like, you're in a musical, dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can't do that. I, I also want to hear about fencing. You were a fencer in college. Oh, I don't know if we talked about. It. I was a fencer. What did you fence? Well, I don't want to brag, but I was on the uh, New Jersey State Championship Epe squad. You would be an Epe. Okay, but look. First of all, I <laughs> resent that deeply. I started out as many people do in foil, and then mm-hmm. basically was told by the coach like you're not really good enough to make a foil squad because there's so many more people. At least there were back then. I, I suspect fencing has changed a lot since 1992. And uh, he was like, look, there's less competition for the EPE. Trust me, if you go over and do that, uh, you'll, you'll kind of have an easier time. And I think you might be better suited to that anyway. You're also not lanky enough to be foil, to be fair. You got to be real lemmy. Yeah, Absolutely. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, actually, a, a guy who's still a very dear friend of mine, who was like the very, very good Epe fencer. I was like third slot on that team. He was first. Uh, went on to I forget if he was in the Olympics or was an alternate, but went on to like seriously do it throughout college. And he was, you know, like really tall dude. And I did not have the height or the reach or whatever, but I could get by and certainly won bouts and things. But okay, what were you? That's what I want to know. Well, the coach took one look at me when I walked in because my friend from the Doctor Who Club just convinced me to join the fencing team freshman year. And he was nice. like, you're, you're short and angry. You're a saber. And I was like, that's fair. Yep. I, okay. <laughs> you know what? Right back at you. Of course, you're a saber. Right? I was going to guess that. Yep. Because as we all know, the saber people are just wild. Right. Yeah. So, okay. We, we need to talk to listeners probably don't know the different weapons, right? So yeah, I was about to jump in as a fencing noob. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> That's All right. Fair. Here, why don't we alternate? You should talk about Saber and I'll talk about Epe. Go for it. Yeah. Saber is like, if you think about more like a pirate sword, like kind of more of a traditional, like a Saber, like a Saber sword. And the fighting style is a lot less, not less calculated, but it's aggressive. And you want to be smaller because the movements are more 
vicious? Is that is that a fair assessment? The the unique thing about saber is you can hit someone with a slash as opposed to just the point, right? Exactly. Because mm. Epe and, and foil is more about the tip, like the little nib, but saber you can kind of, like a pirate. It's more right, like a right. like a slashing motion. So uh, especially because I was taking stage combat for theater, it felt more natural. <laughs> so the, the deal with saber, tell me if this is wrong, this is the way I remember it, is anything above the waist is fair. Yes. Right? And there's a right-of-way element to it in the sense that if you stick your your blade out, so you establish your right-of-way, mm-hmm. and if you're not parried, like if you stick your blade out and then a second later your opponent does, and then you both hit, you get the point because you established the attack. You have the right-of-way, right? Is that right? Yeah, that's why being small and fast and angry gives you the advantage because it's all <laughs> about getting the one-up on your opponent. right. While also advancing properly, which burns your thighs oh, like yeah. crazy. <laughs> so foil is a lot like that. So with foil, it's front and back of the chest. So no arms, no mask, no head. And it's just the tip of the weapon. But there's still a right-of-way thing. So when you're really competing, all this stuff is electronic. So you have an electrified you know, vest and weapon. and Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this sh- I'm sure this technology is like worlds better than when I was doing it in the early 90s. But it's still, you know, probably the basics are the same. But when you hear these matches being called, it's like, okay, there was an attack from the right. The attack was parried. There was a counterattack. The counterattack missed and blah, blah, blah. When you're calling these matches, you have to be so hyper aware of what is going on. And it's not just who hits first, it's also who had the right of way. The difference is with Epe, it's full body. Anywhere on the body is fair game. It's the tip of the weapon. This is the amazing thing about Epe, is you can get fucking like basically punched right in your face. <laughs> the mask. Like if someone just goes blam and hits you in the mask, that's fine. There is no right of way. It's whoever hits first and you can get a double point. Whereas in foil and saber, one person or the other gets the point. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. But in Epe, you can have basically both fencers get a point at the same time if you hit uh, at exactly the same time. And with the electrified stuff, it recognizes with Epe like who got there first. So if one, you'll see a light go on depending on who hits hits first. And when one person's light goes on, the other one basically can't. You know what I mean? So that's Epe. Epe is anywhere's fair game, including, and this is the real fucked up thing that you would drill on, Epe has a big bell on the weapon, so a lot of the hand, the glove, is protected. But if you can get under that and just get, like, the tip of the glove, it's like, boom. And so you wait for someone to, like, raise their weapon to attack, and then you go, slam, like, right right into their glove. That's, like, that's that's a dope point if you can get it. That's, that's like, to me, that was the sweetest plum, was a little <laughs> little glove point right there, or hitting your opponent square in the face. And the other one you always tried to go for, although you had to be tall, and so it was hard for me, is the toe. Like, if you could go down for the toe, that mm. was awesome. But then you leave your arm open so right. someone can come in and just, like, zap you kind of right there. My friend who uh, recruited me was an Epe, and I was always fascinated watching him fence. Uh-huh. I still have my Michigan fencing team jacket somewhere in my closet. Oh, wow. That sounds dope as fuck. Yeah, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know there were different kinds of fencing. I was just like, oh, okay, people with sticks hit each other. I didn't know that there was like an electronic component. To, like, I had no idea about any of this shit. It's definitely different than like what you see in a Renaissance film. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but yeah. for like young nerds, it's the greatest thing in the fucking world because you're like, wait, I get a sword? Yes, on board. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. Oh. 
my fencing team was completely comprised of absolute fucking nerds and I love them all. Yep. There was like a fencing house. It wasn't like an official house, but like the lots of fencers would live together. And every Thursday we would go over to for this thing called BOC, which was beer o'clock, um, where all the fencers would gather and watch like Doctor Who or like nerd movies and just and one of the guys uh who was a grad student but was still at Michigan and like he wasn't on the fencing team because he was a grad student, but he brewed his own beer. Oh my god. Lots of the fencers were engineers because fucking nerds. Of course. They turned a mini fridge into a keg, into like with a tap. So they like completely created this like self-contained bar in the house. And we had fresh brewed IPAs from our senior. And like the house was wild. And I'm like, these are just a bunch of fucking nerdy ass kids. Oh, yeah. Self-sustaining in this house. And every winter we would turn the house into a giant blanket fort. So we would cover the Aww. entire house in blankets and you could only enter through one of the doors because the other door was used as an anchor. It was like the best family I've ever had. We all went to Disneyland for spring break Aww. together and wore our fencing jackets. <laughs> I want to see a picture of this fencing jacket because that just sounds like the most badass thing. <laughs> you are about to witness is my fencing team photo from senior year. Oh, please, God. my God. This is all I want in life. This is an all-timer. Oh, my God, what a bunch of nerds. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, my God. You can tell which one is me. You're on the far left, right? I'm on the far left. Uh, do you like that I'm giving a saucy wink and point? Yes. Oh, my God. Just the socks. Oh, God. The guy whose name is Chris on the far right who's wearing the gray or brown socks, <laughs> which absolutely do not work with the the fencing outfit they really don't who's mystery man in the middle because i really like his vibe the guy sitting down yeah that's puffin he, he seems like he knows what's up yeah of these guys he's probably the guy i do the least well so these guys were all guys in my class and so the guy to my immediate right is jeremy he's the guy that basically you know did like olympic level fencing he was part of the duke team like a real big deal fencing and so I, he and the guy on the far right, Chris, we were the three, we were the Epe squad. So we won the championship that year. By the way, listeners, we will post this. <laughs> the other two guys in the middle, in order, left to right, Sunil and Vinny, were pretty good friends, especially Sunil. Sunil and I did a bunch of stuff together. But Pavan, I knew the least well out of those three. But it was honestly like, it was just a good bunch of weird nerds. You know, that's what we were. Yep. Brian, you were so pale that... <laughs> Me? What a shock. <laughs> your 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 face and neck just blends seamlessly in into your fencing outfit. It's true. It's really true. Yeah. I, I am ghostly white. <laughs> oh, You're an man. apparition with hairy calves. <laughs> you can see things that look like natural skin tones on everyone else in this picture. I look like an actual sheet of paper. And my lips look a little too rosy, too, oh, right? God. Like, they're a little bit too red, like creepily so. I thought my fencing squad was nerdy, but Brian, you win that award. Welcome to North Jersey in the early 90s. Like, <laughs> this is what it was. The real shocking thing is I don't think, which is weird for New Jersey, there are no Italian people in this photo. Huh. Which, yeah, I know, right? You've broken New Jersey. I know, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. 
This doesn't seem like an authentic Jersey artifact. (laughs) I should also say that this picture was taken in the corner of our cafeteria, which is where practice was held every day. Incredible. Why are there seemingly three different wall materials in this photo? Uh, well, why they constructed the cafeteria that way, I cannot answer for you. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I will tell you that that is a hundred percent fake wood paneling in case that's not obvious. Oh, uh, on the right. Never would have dreamed that that would be fake. My basement, you know, in my childhood home growing up had that same kind of shitty fake wood as every eighties rec room should. Oh, beautiful. Shitty fake wood is just like a comforting sight. Like, I'm not even old enough for that to be like, you know, the ubiquitous thing, but it, it just, you know, it, it has a calming effect. A hundred percent. Kind of like fake wood flooring. So this was actually the section of the cafeteria. There was one very small carpeted section, which had like couches and shit on it, uh, including the chair that uh, Puffin is sitting in. And that's where like the alt slash cool kids, uh, which I was not a part of in case that comes as a shock to you. <laughs> what? would hang out at lunch. So every once in a while I would get to hang out with the, the alt type kids, but that was, that was a rare treat for yours. Truly. I'm loving this deep Jersey hierarchy that we're learning about. Oh, I was, was I on the bottom? Oh no. Maybe not in high school, but certainly up until eighth grade. Yeah. I I was very, very bottom of the food chain by, by any metric. In high school, I, I started to even out uh, a little bit, but oh yeah. Well, who's laughing now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> them still probably. Definitely. It's all these people who immediately sold out and started working for corporations and made a lot of money. They're probably laughing just fine. <laughs> Wait, so Brian, once we're able to feasibly be in the same place physically and like that's a chill thing, will you teach mm-hmm. me fencing shit? For the Patreon. Yes, absolutely. What I remember, this is the thing, it's been a long fucking time. For college, I think for PE credit in college, I taught fencing once my freshman year, but that would have been, you know, whatever, fall of 93. So it's been 27 years since I last picked up a weapon, Uh, but I can give you some basics for sure. All you need to do is start building up your thigh strength. Yes. That's all you need. Uh, I I don't know about that. Oh my God. Mika, do you remember fucking lunge practice? Ugh. Oh, literally all I remember is the first day that I was dragged to fencing to join the team by my friend. And that was college. And that was college. And I was, I was learning lunging. And I left that day and I was like, why the fuck would you do this to me? I thought we were <laughs> friends. Like, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really brutal. And like, I did jumping in like horseback riding and my thighs didn't hurt as much. And that was horrible. Wow. Yeah. I did a lot of weird, like, renaissance, renfest sports as a child. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> archery fencing, what else we got? Archery fencing, horseback riding. I was the renaissance Horse- kid. That's awesome. Yeah. And then technically I know how to, and I'm certified in broadsword, dagger, longsword, sword in stage combat. What? Wow. Okay, yeah, I want to hear about stage combat. We should probably do segments. Yes. But stage combat is more important. Yeah, so let's do a brief stage combat thing, yeah. Well, because I have a BFA in acting, and I went to University of Michigan, and the crazy University of Michigan standard is 
we won't call this a conservatory because we want you to get a general education as well, even though this is as hard as a conservatory, plus you have to do actual college. And we were like, what? Fuck you. That's awful. (laughs) (laughs) At like a very good and difficult school, too. Yes. University of Michigan calls themselves the Harvard of the West. Have we talked about this? You know, I was a postdoc at Michigan. Have we ever talked about this? What? Yeah. No. Yep. Only for a year, but I was in Ann Arbor from 2010 to 2011. Oh, you're still a Wolverine then. But yeah. University of Michigan is ridiculous with their schooling. And then the BFA program is one of the top in the country. I think we were number one for a while. We might be number two now when it comes to theater programs. Oh, wow. So you have to take two years of stage combat and get certified in hand-to-hand and multiple weapons. And our stage combat professor is one of the, like, most decorated stuntman. He's in the like Marvel stunt shows at Disney World. What? Whoa. Yeah, no, he's like dope. That's uh, awesome. I was also a total teacher's pet, so I would go into his office and play with his lightsabers and we would have sword fights. Um, because I was like, oh my God, are we wearing the same Batman shirt today? Because he was a total <laughs> nerd. Uh, but the first few weeks of stage combat was conditioning. Because he was like, this is going to be brutal. Like athletic conditioning. Like athletic conditioning. Because he's like, you can't pretend to fight. You have to know how to fight. And we were like, ha, 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 funny, funny. Um, And the year above us, because we started in sophomore year, they were like, oh, have you had your stage combat vomit yet? And we were like, what? And they're like, oh, sweetie, (laughs) you'll have your stage combat vomit. We thought they were fucking with us. No, no, no. First day, we did Insanity, like the program. I don't know what that is. It's like the worst, most high-intensive workout program it used Uh to be kind of like the challenge like the insanity challenge so it's like no stops full cardio hot room weight training just like constantly switching kind of circuits sort of stuff circuits it was exactly circuits yeah yeah so we did insanity for an hour and about 45 minutes in people start dropping like flies to run to the bathroom and vomit and pass out i blacked out during my second class oh shit um fuck yeah so over the first few weeks we did conditioning to like get our stamina up. And then we started doing hand-to-hand. So we did naps, fake punches, choking. Unfortunately, the slapping that you see on stage usually isn't with naps. So we had to learn how to take a slap to the face on the meat of our cheek and learn where to hit and shit like that. Yeah. And then the second year, it was weapons. So quarterstaff, broadsword, greatsword, daggers, how to disarm. I never took the advanced stage combat where they taught you how to deal with guns on stage, but it was crazy. And then there's like a certification. (laughs) That's amazing. And did you ever have to use that professionally? Not yet. I'm still waiting, but (laughs) definitely in um, like school stuff because we did university productions every year. And then my stage combat professor, who was also a very decorated stage actor, he was our Chekhov professor. And, you know, Chekhov is gritty <laughs> yeah. and real and blah, blah, blah. So we did a bunch of Chekhov and then some Tennessee Williams. And I was like, what is it, like 27 Wagons of Cotton or whatever that play is? The husband's abusive to his wife, so there's a lot of slapping and choking and yelling. And that mm-hmm. was my final, my scene study. Oh, wow. Wow. So with my scene partner, we had to, like, do extra stage combat practice with our professor to make sure that like everything was safe. Cause it was like, he slapped me, threw me to the ground, choked me out, picked me up, dragged me across the stage by my hair. It was crazy. Yeah. But Uh, it's fun. It's like really fun when you know what you're doing. Yeah. That sounds like a great time. (laughs) I want to hear real quick. uh, Were you in any musicals? 
Here's the thing about Layton. Yeah. Layton loved musicals. She's a huge musical fan. Brian, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Layton, just, just hold on for one second, Layton. I, I promise you'll appreciate that. <laughs> Layton loves musicals, and whenever we have a theater guest on, I love talking musicals. So, I feel like this is the Brian sarcasm that I'm hearing right now. It indeed is. It, it indeed is. I love musicals. Wow, Brian, you really reneged on your own bit that fast. You really weren't just going to let that, that keep rolling. <laughs> Yeah, I decided, you know, I, I'm fickle. Layton will be happy to hear I was only an acting major, not a musical theater major. So in college, I wasn't in any musicals. In high school, who boy, I was in a lot of them. But no, nah, co- college was all stage plays. Give me a little taste of what you were in. I, I love high school musicals, not <laughs> high school musical. I can't believe you're not a huge high school musical fan. I think that's just completely against what I know of your character, Brian. I know. <laughs> I've actually never seen it. We'll fix that one day, Brian. Um, sounds like we need to do a high school musical watch along, buddy. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'll do that. There's what, three of them? There are. Oh, yes. Okay. But yeah, what were you in in high school? I was in Chicago. I was nice. in Bye Bye Birdie. I was Great. in Greece. Mm-hmm. Wait, who were you in Greece? I was just one of the pink ladies. Pink ladies. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. So I went to an all-girls school for high school, right? Art school for girls. And I'm not afraid to say that the director for theater was a huge nepotistic raging bitch. Um, And she only cast the people in lead roles that she had like a familial friendship with, their family. Terrible. And never gave anyone else the roles, even though they absolutely deserved them. Like I went to like a professional voice coach and was like, am I wrong? Like, is my voice bad? tell me, I want to know. So I'll stop like auditioning for these musicals. Cause I feel like I could play these parts. And they were like, literally, I don't know you. You're paying me for voice lessons. Like, I don't understand why you're not getting cast. And I was like, maybe I'm a bad actor. And then I was like, no, I don't think that, I don't think that's it. <laughs> Found out later. Yeah. They're just like, she was best friends with these kids' families. And so like every year she would only cast these three people as the lead. That sucks. I never, ever was cast as anything other than a background character or as a dude when I'm a second soprano. <laughs> and I went into her office senior year and confronted her. And I was like, this is my senior year. Even if you don't cast me as a lead, at least cast me as a girl. Didn't happen. <laughs> there is nothing that is simultaneously so cliched and so true as the like impresario high school drama teacher. Right. They're not all like that, but enough are where they just rule these little kingdoms and are complete monsters. Mm-hmm. It is a total cliche, but it seems to still be 100% a thing. You know what I was just watching? Not to derail this conversation. Did you see the Cut for Time SNL skit from last year, Cast List? No. Did you see this? Okay, we shouldn't watch it now, but it's when Will Ferrell, I think, was hosting, and it's basically a bunch of high school seniors waiting for the cast list to be posted for, I think it's actually Bye Bye Birdie, but I could be wrong. But it's a perfect encapsulation of high school drama with the asshole drama teacher played by Will Ferrell. I hated Castless Day because I knew it was just going to be depressing and I would cry on the bus home every time, every single time it happened. But I'm very much looking forward to my first major award acceptance speech because I'm going to look directly into the camera and say, and thank you to Miss Poverstein for destroying my confidence so badly (laughs) that I almost quit acting. But look at me now. Thank you. Good night. I, I am surprised more people don't do that with accepting a major award and just being like, and by the way, person who never believed in me, fuck you. Oh, like, my my first major awards acceptance speech is going to be filled to the brim with spite. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great 
segue (laughs) into our first segment. What do you think, Leighton? Should we do it? Yeah, that sounds great. How about you introduce this segment that you just love so much? (laughs) I do love introducing this segment. One is it is the pop culture recommendation uh, Mm -hmm. segment. It's called Mm -hmm. What's Poppin'. Incredible. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's really a triumph. (laughs) Named by our friend and yours, Ethan Nestor, on the spot in episode two, three, something like that. Yeah, after we pressured him, we were like, name the segment. Give us a name for the segment right now, (laughs) immediately. Very, very reluctantly said, what's poppin'? And then we were like, yep, well, we got to stick with that. I love it. (laughs) Yes, Ethan, of course, being the absolute best. So he named the segment, and then I, jumping off that, wrote one of the greatest theme songs of all time uh, for this segment. Oh. I, I mustered all of my training, what if you want to call it genius, I guess that's fine, um, <laughs> talent. You know, uh, I looked deep inside of myself, and this is what came out. So, uh, Mika, are you ready to hear the theme song? I'm, I'm as ready as possible. Great. Here it is. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? All right. So, thoughts. Be honest. I didn't hear it. Once again, this bit has failed. Oh my God! Uh, as it often does. Uh, this is why Leighton hates this bit. <laughs> Thank you, Mika. I feel validated. Everybody <gasps> listening, put a little tally mark on Brian can eat shit. Uh, side of the table. <laughs> I'm sorry I did participate in the bit correctly. It is not your fault. It is my fault. No, you did perfectly. What you did was exactly what any reasonable human being would do, <laughs> which is you didn't hear anything and you assumed we fucked up, which is, I, I again, like the correct response. However, I keep defending this as a plausible bit to do to Layton. And she says it's aggressive, true, not funny. <laughs> Also true, and just generally uncool, which I which I agree with wholeheartedly. Oh my god! Which, as mentioned with the grid posting, that's your uh-huh. entire uh, your entire thing. That's my aesthetic. Yeah, it's the brand. A hundred percent. So, <laughs> so on that right. note, on that note, Layton, what's popping? No, don't do all that, and then come to me and ask what my recommendation is. Don't you dare! Fine. Somebody else go. Well, then someone's got to ask me. All right, Brian. What, what's yes. popping? Wow, unprecedented guest asking me first. Uh, <laughs> so I'll do it. Okay, what's popping with me is Commander Meowch from Twerp. <gasps> Love Commander Meowch. The absolute best, uh, not only as a bassist. He's a very bad man. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this last week, Brian. Don't act like you didn't talk mad shit on Meowch last week. He Ooh. paid me off since then, so I'm I'm not going to say anything bad about him now. You can't say that. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Listen, listen. I'm in uh, I'm, I'm I'm in Doctor Song's pocket. It's fine. I, I have no allegiances to Meowch. No, that's fine. That's fair. Everyone's in Doctor Song's pocket. <laughs> Whoever, whichever member of Twerp pays us off the most in any given week, we'll just shift alliances. But uh, about a month ago, uh, Meowch texted me. He's like, "Do you know Rodney Franklin?" And I was like, uh, "No, I've never heard of this guy." And so he's like, "Dude, you gotta listen to this dude." So he's a uh, uh, a jazz pianist and composer who went down some pretty smooth roads in the early 80s. And uh, he has a bunch of albums. You should look him up. He has this one album called Learning to Love where the cover is a hedge maze in the shape of a heart. 
that rules. That is that's dope. He is an unbelievable pianist, and it's got like you know the the like the ooh vocals in the background. It's got some strings. It's got some unbelievable playing. Like all these kind of jazzy, smooth jazz albums, the playing is is next level great, and I, I cannot get enough of especially his self-titled album Rodney Franklin from 1980. I've been listening to it like nonstop all week. <laughs> He's got some amazing titles, which are all very smooth. Windy City, Life Moves On. I'm just reading the track list in the center. I don't know if this is a typo, but the track number five is called I Like the Music, Make It Hot, which I don't know if that's supposed to be I Like the Music That, or maybe that's just what it is. I love that name for a song. Uh, highly recommended. Rodney Franklin. Everything is great, but especially the self-titled album. <laughs> well, I will check it out. The fucking album cover with the hedge maze is incredible. So early 80s, like smooth jazz. Uh, that's great. Uh, Mika, what's popping? I highly recommend that everybody, if you have any sort of television subscription account, go binge watch Naked and Afraid and Naked and Afraid XL. Oh, because shit. as dumb as it sounds... I have learned so much about humanity, survival, and you get to see the best displays of A, toxic masculinity being kicked in the nuts by badass <laughs> women, and mm-hmm. non-toxic masculinity with like big buff dudes that you expect to be awful actually break down in tears and like talk to their fellow dudes and be like, I love you, man. Like you're my best friend and we're going to survive together. It's, it's beautiful. It's like, It sounds cheesy because it is. It's like, you know, obviously slightly produced, but it's like these actual survivalists being put in sometimes terrifying conditions. They have to get medically tapped if they're too sick. Oh, my God. If the producers think that it's unsafe, like people have been bitten by centipedes and had to be rushed to the ER. Oh, and like snakes. Yeah, I'm fully with you. I I haven't watched it in forever, but Naked and Afraid is is so good. It's so good. Been on for a while, right? Oh, so many seasons. I think there's 15 seasons or something like that. Because there's always like the guys who are like, I'm a Marine and I don't take shit from women. And then they tap day two and the women do the rest of the 21 days alone. <laughs> and it's like yeah. so amazing. But there was this one episode, I tweeted about it the other day, that really got me. Because the XL challenges are like groups of nine surviving as tribes for 40 days, usually somewhere horrible like the desolate plains of South Africa where there's actual like jaguars stalking them at night and shit like that. And this one dude had like very severe depression and he didn't have this medication out in the wild and he was like not providing with his hunting. So it got him really down and it was the elimination challenge. So you could like banish people from the tribe essentially, Mm -hmm. but they didn't banish him. They were like, we call the medics for you because mental health is just as serious as physical health and we want you to get better. Whoa. And they like took care of him because especially because there were some asshole people there that were like at the first sign of weakness, we cut him off at the source. And I was like, oh my God, these guys are like really caring about this dude's mental health. And he went home and went back on his meds and got help. And it was just like, you learn so much about what happens to people when they're hungry tired, haven't slept, and are forced into a situation to cooperate. And it's fascinating. So that's my recommendation. Cool. Yeah. Layton, what's popping with you? Oh, and you asked me too. Incredible. Yeah. By the way, this is like textbook pro. Mika. Like rolling <laughs> with it, throwing it to the next person. It's, it's so nice to have someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, laser horse, I'm looking at you on this. Oh, shit. <laughs> Unlike either of us, actually. Yeah, that's true. 
I shouldn't throw a laser horse under the bus. He was great. Yeah, what the hell? That was a good episode. <laughs> I've spent this entire segment trying to figure because we, full transparency, we're recording this on the Friday that the laser horse episode went up, and we recorded that episode with laser horse like Monday. Monday. Yeah. So I've worked until midnight every night this week since then. And I've not been consuming content, but I will say my what's popping for me is an ASMR channel called Amy K ASMR. And one of my favorite ASMR things is when people do the extremely hyper specific role play ASMRs because they're cute and I like watching them. But she just has some really good ones. So there's one that's like glitchy Skyrim Tavern ASMR. Oh my god! Wow. Where she's edited it, so it just like glitches around, and it's her like just asking you need something over and over. Just like really creative. And then there's like a silly tiefling wants to be your friend. And it just like, I, I love when people do this. They make their little sets and they do their makeup and they do the sound design and uh, just like to watch people tap on stuff with acrylic nails. It's just, uh, that's Zen for me. That's how I like to fall asleep. That's fair. Great. Yeah. She's wonderful and like wildly underrated. So yeah. I got to check out that Skyrim one because that brought back a very visceral response. I was like, oh my God. Hold on. I'm going to put it in the chat because it is really funny. I, I've never played Skyrim. <gasps> I know. I know. Okay. Ryan. I know. <laughs> Skyrim is one of those things that it's an experience. Like I bought it when it first came out. Like I remember going to the E3 demonstration for Skyrim and seeing oh, wow. flowers and going, that's so real. And I'm looking at the flowers and I'm like, that looks like fucking cardboard, my dude. Like, <laughs> But I think I own it on every platform physically possible because I just, I'm a loyal bitch to Skyrim. It's so good. I've put an embarrassing number of hours into that game. It's just like chilling. Is it 10 years old-ish? Older? It came out 2011, November 11th. Oh, okay. I remember, I think I may have discussed this earlier. This would have been a long time ago. When it first came out, I could not understand, like I could not figure out how to pronounce it. I thought it was like scrim for a long time. The the Y just did not process in my brain. And I didn't know anything about the the game. So I would see, I, I didn't hear anyone talking about it. And so I would just read all these articles and I was like, why is scrim so popular? When, and eventually it sunk in that it's Skyrim. But it was like months before I heard someone say it and realized they were talking about scrim. Uh, scrim, the Elder Scrolls. <laughs> I think yep. the reason that Skyrim is so nostalgic in a good way, but also still popular to this day, is it's the closest to playing a D&D campaign you can get mm-hmm. with your own self-insert. Because it's like, sure, if you play The Witcher 3, it's The Witcher, you know? But Skyrim, I don't really know many people who played it for the story, like played the entire campaign right away. I don't think I finished the actual story until like, five years after the game came out because all you do is like just fuck off immediately and do whatever you want (laughs) yeah Layton why don't you introduce our next and final segment so our final segment is called peaches and lemons uh, which is a gratitude exercise where we each go around and we will each share three peaches which are things that we're excited about grateful for they can be as like vague and profound as you want or just like petty and stupid doesn't really matter it's just acknowledging the stuff that's good and normally we would do a lemon but honestly for the duration of this podcast considering almost all of it has taken place during quarantine we've just been not doing lemons because we're all aware we know (laughs) the world is a lemon so we will go around and we will share peaches brian Would you like to start? 
Sure. Uh, okay. So my actually wait, no, fuck you. Mika, go first. What? Whoa. All right. She's our guest. <laughs> She's our guest. That doesn't explain the incredibly rude thing you just said to me, but well, and I'm mad about the last segment. <laughs> That's fair. I'm valid. I'll roll with this. I will roll with this because I'm a professional. Okay. My first one is I'm very grateful for um my newly loved and developed. Actually, it's been like a year now, but um my family at Critical Role, just the cast and the crew and everybody who works there. Cause if you guys know, I had a very um, traumatic experience at my old company, Rooster Teeth, and right. it was toted as a family and it was abusive and horrible. So then when I started working with Critical Role and they called themselves a family, I got like minor PTSD and I was like scared that the other shoe was going to drop. But this has been the most loving beautiful, caring group of people that I've ever met in my life to the point that like, it's so great. I know that none of them will ever leave my life. Like they're the ones that are going to be like front row, if not in my wedding, you know, I love it. So I, I just, I love each and every one of them. Another peach is going to go to my dog, obviously fucking love my dog. <laughs> she is the beacon of light in this now orange tinted world since we are in LA and I just think that she's she's great, and I'm going to give her treats later. And I think my third peach is Final Fantasy XIV, honestly. Great. It's given me a lot of comfort, and I play with the same people every day. So being trapped in a house and being social in some way is awesome. Also, I can be a big-titted cat girl who's overpowered with a giant axe. So, like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's all you ever need in this life. Honestly, it's like when I'm feeling sad, I go look at my big-titted cat girl, and I'm like, oh, she's, <laughs> she's killing it. That might be the, the episode <laughs> title, uh, BTCG. B BTCG, big-titted cat BTC girl. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Do I pick who's next? Sure, if you want. Okay, well, because I feel bad you got slighted, I'm going to go Brian. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, thank you, Mika. I appreciate you being so generous and, and allowing <laughs> me to do my peaches. It's it's very kind of you. Um, all right, my first peach. This is this was so great. So last night, Audrey did a thing where she got a little bit in trouble and walked away, kind of crying. Wait, what'd she do? I uh, she we basically were like, please be quiet and listen to this thing. And then she just like kept talking and interrupting. And so we had to turn it off and then she got, she didn't really get in trouble. I was like, look, I can't play this thing for you if you're just going to talk all the way through it. And so then she walked away sobbing, um, which, you know, I'm not denying the feeling. She does have a penchant for drama and playing up dramatic moments. So she was feeling a bit sorry for herself. Okay. That said, about 20 minutes, she kind of disappears. And I was like, you know, that's, if she needs to go be by herself a little bit, I'm going to respect that. And about 20 minutes later, I had a note. She snuck up behind me and dropped a note onto my head. And this was a fully written out with sentences and everything note. And she's never done this before. Like she'll write out words, but this was like a full page of paper where she wrote out, I said, I love you, daddy. I was feeling a little sad, but I had a great day. And... Oh my God. She has never before like sat down. She sounded out all the wor words and the spellings were like little kids spellings. Like little was L I D L. Uh, great was G A T. You know, like all the words were spelled incorrectly, but she was sounding them out and like trying to figure out how to write them. And 
I could completely understand what she was saying. Like I just read it. And I was like, okay, that's what it is. By the part where she said I was sad, she wrote sad face, face spelled F-A-S and drew an arrow to a little sad face. Uh, it, it was like not only a very, very adorable little kid thing, it felt like a huge cognitive leap because, you know, normally if she needs to write a word, she'll ask us how to spell it. But she just went off by herself and try, and figured this, like not even tried, just figured it out and communicated with us in writing a very complicated thought. And Rachel and I looked at each other and we were like, holy shit. Like it was like really, really impressive. And look, I, of course I'm going to brag about my brilliant, awesome kid, but this is one of those, like those moments you have in parenting when you're like, you had that in you. Whoa. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was huge. And I, I love this kid to the ends of the earth, but this was definitely one of those like milestones that you only get once every several months. That's so sweet. Yep. That is really sweet. Wow. Somebody get James on the horn. Cause that's a giant peach. I'm going to yeah. go. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was really, and then she read it to her teachers during first grade today because she was so proud of herself. Because we were like, Audrey, this is amazing. This is incredible. You know, like really playing it up because that's the kind of thing you want to foster. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everything else pales in comparison to that. I'm still. <laughs> You're writing that high. Rebelling about it. My second one is uh, so I've talked about this before. I have a kids band that I started with Jim Roach, who's NSP's producer. Band is Go Banana Go. And we, I think, are finalizing a track list for our next album slash EP. Hell yeah. Yeah. We'll actually probably have something out, uh, a single, uh, maybe later, even this month. And then we have a, a bunch of actually rather really fun and much weirder than our first album songs. So that's been, it's such a joy to make like silly, simple, fun, weird kids music during all this bullshit. Yeah. So that's been really great. And my third peach, I want to give a big shout out to Bic Intensity Markers. Uh, <laughs> Sharpies, you're bullshit. Sharpies Damn. fucking suck. Sharpies canceled. Like I, I am, I am, I have never officially canceled someone before, but I am officially canceling Sharpies because holy shit, I can't even tell you how many times we've, we've bought Sharpies and none of them work. To Danny and I to sign uh, CDs because we're having an album out, come out soon. And we're signing them. We bought like I don't know a hundred Sharpies and none of them worked. Like literally, they were all just old and dry. It happens all the time with Sharpies. Every time I've bought a Bic brand, specifically Bic Intensity Metallic Fine Point Markers, they're amazing. They write great. They last a long time. Higher quality. Bic all the way. Sharpie, go fuck yourself. Good to know. Bic, please sponsor us. Yep. Uh, Layton, I believe it is your turn. Ah, uh, yes. Do you want to tell me to go fuck myself first? I think I've done that implicitly enough already during this episode. All right, fair, fair, fair. All right. Um, my first peach is that on the late night Discord, we set up a little like radio channel. So there's a bot. And if you want to listen to music with people and throw stuff onto the queue, you can listen to it. And it was just, it was nice to watch everybody have a good time sharing some music. So if you have any interest in being a part of that wonderful exclusive group of intelligent and attractive people, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash late night. It's really great. It's really good. And I mean, genuinely, I love the Discord. I, I really appreciate all the people there. And it's a nice place to hang out, IMO. My second peach is that earlier this week when we recorded with Art, that night I ended up playing Dead by Daylight with him and Aaron uh, and Meowch, who I guess 
conked out in between one of the rounds and just went to sleep. And so it was me, Aaron, and Art. <laughs> like, straight up. <laughs> yeah. He, he just like disappeared and was like, oh, the man's asleep. But the lizard guy that we were talking about on the previous episode with Art, we started watching a bunch of his videos together because as we were watching the episode, we didn't really get a chance to watch these lizard videos that he was recommending. I think we spent like an hour and a half just watching lizard videos together. And I got to say, his name's Dave Durham. His channel is just like hundreds and hundreds of oh, videos. I thought you were talking about a lizard guy in Dead by Daylight. No. Why don't they have a lizard guy in Dead by Daylight? It's a real question. Yeah. Anyway, but like he he has all these videos and, you know, Art talked about this, but I really wasn't getting yeah, the yeah. full scope of what this is. The man cuddles with a huge lizard. It's all these sweet little, you know, he has a bird sleeping on him. He's watching TV with his lizards. Okay. And then there's one video that's like, worst monitor lizard bite. Oh, no. Oh, God. We were all losing our fucking minds watching these together because it'd be like, oh, cute, fun, oh, lizard treats guy like a dog. And then it's just his hand completely split open. (gasps) (gasps) And he's sitting in the hospital and the nurse is like, and he's like, he's recording all this? Completely calm. Yeah. They're like, oh uh, did God. he get you on the finger too? And he like lifts his hand up ah. and he's like, oh yeah, ah. the tendon's still there. And as he like moves it, it's just like the blood drips out. And they're like, okay, sir, 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 don't do that. <laughs> I hate this. Literally next video, he's holding the same fucking lizard and like putting his hand near his mouth. Anyway. Mm, incorrect. Delightful time. Just a great time. Wow. Just like crying, laughing, watching those. And then my third peach is... Also Patreon-related. Uh, so mm. for the $15 tier, I made the the foolhardy promise that if you gave me three prompts for a short horror story, I would write each person who submitted a 250 to 500-word short story. And so what I did is I wrote about it with 500 to 1,000 words for each person. So there's 14 stories. And I was like, you know what? These are really stupid. It would be super funny if I learned how to use InDesign and then made it into a proper ebook. And once we get off this call, I will do the finishing touch and it will be done. And so by the time that you listen to this episode, this will be out. It's called You'll Pay For This. Whoa. Brian, that name was all you. It's called You'll Pay For This, 14 stories. It's about 60 pages of short story bullshit. It's really good IMO. But yeah, so that's a thing that I did. I meant to text you because I think you texted me these, maybe one of them uh, late-ish at night. (laughs) Yeah, in the middle of the night. And I was already asleep the other night. And so I guess I missed, you texted me four pages, but I missed the first three. And <laughs> I read the fourth page yesterday. And I was like, this is great, but it makes zero sense. And literally just now I was looking back through it. I was like, oh, there are three more pages that set up this final thing. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. I'm sorry that that punchline was ruined. No, no, no. It's it's great. I haven't even read the first three because I literally just saw them right now. But the fourth page, I was like, I love this. And the fact that it is coming out of nowhere. I thought the whole shtick was it's like a bit of, there's like an evidence marker. I thought the point was it's supposed to be like a piece of something found. You know what I mean? I mean, those four pages are meant to be like that. The rest of them are straight stories. But the, the one that Brian is referring to, it's a story called The Sponge. I don't want to give away... Yeah, I don't want to give away yeah, the bit either because it's my favorite one. <laughs> but let's just say that if you if you like creepypasta and you like SpongeBob, oh, maybe this is a thing that you would enjoy. The other thing I was going to say is that if you're on our Patreon, this will be on the Patreon and you can just get it for free. But otherwise, I think I'm going to put it on like pay what you want on Gumroad. So if you're not a part of the Patreon and you want to read it, like 
that would be cool too. Joining the Patreon is so inexpensive. It's a better deal. It's a better deal and it supports this podcast. So I won't say that I, you know, set that up on purpose, but I'm not saying <laughs> that I didn't not set it up on purpose like that. So I'm just saying that for the low, low price of five, five dollars, just a single five each month, you could get not only the ebook, but also a ton of other shit. Yes. Wow. We're, we're segueing into the plug. This is not a typical segment, but I feel like we have to do it. You get videos, extra videos. Uh, you get mini-sodes every Wednesday. Uh, you get a running list, a disgustingly comprehensive list of every uh, reference we've ever made. It's worth it. Like I, I think it's, it's a steal. Yeah. Also, you get to be a part of the cool Discord if you want to come on. We'll DJ some tunes in the little voice channel. Or everyone on there is lovely. We share what's popping with each other. And yep. you get some meme action going. And God only knows. And all the splendors that you, for the low, low price, $5. Just saying. It's such a steal. I don't know if I've told you this, Layden. It's my first Discord I've really ever been Aww. a part of. Aww. I know. I'm such a little baby. Isn't it nice? I feel like it's spoiling me for other discords because this community is fantastic. It's a bunch of really, really sweet people. And I've been honored to be a part of it with you. Wow. Thanks, Brian. I didn't mean to turn all my peaches into an advertisement, but uh, late stage capitalism infects us all. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's true. Do you mind if I mention one more thing? Please. Yeah, of course. Things up. It's kind of a peach and a what's popping and one. Yeah, do it. A pop peachin'. A, a pop peachin'. Ooh. I'm about to expose myself real hard here. So I used to be a huge uh, Supernatural fan, the show. Mm. And they just finished filming their last episode of 15 seasons yesterday. Wow. Oh, I didn't know it was still on. Literally yesterday was the last episode filmed. So the last season is going to finish premiering soon. And I just wanted to highly suggest, because like it, it does get stupid and weird in the middle seasons there but like the first five six seasons if you haven't seen supernatural it's this very surreal experience of watching these two incredibly attractive men hunt monsters it's filmed in vancouver taking place in what's supposed to be like the rural real streets of the americas as they go from like small town to small town and it has a lot of good deep-seated morals, like family donated blood. It's all about found family and defeating your destiny and choosing your own path. And I just wanted to, to say that 15 years for a series is incredible in this town. And congratulations to everybody who worked on Supernatural, because like, holy shit, 15 seasons of a show is... That's awesome. And on a CW show, like those get canceled. Like crazy. Yeah. yeah. And y'all ran 2005 to 2020. Jeez. That's insane. That's amazing. And yeah, I mean, they're very successful and did a lot of good work. So just wanted to, good vibes all around. Sweet. Cool. Well, Mika, this has been truly fucking delightful. Oh, thanks. I've been so enjoyed myself. I can't believe it's actually almost been two hours. It doesn't seem I like know. that at all. <laughs> oh, shit. Blew by. Yeah, thank you so much for taking all this time to, to spend with us. Yeah, seriously. Of course, you guys are And uh, where can people find you on socials? And is there any stuff you want to point people towards or plug? You can find me at Mika Burton on pretty much everything. And then my dog's Instagram is at Rini's Wild Shape, but that's also linked in my Instagram. I play a lot of D&D every Tuesday at 4 p.m. PST. I'm on twitch.tv slash D&D. I do some shows still with Critical Role. We do a show called Critter Hug. It's just about highlighting cool people in the TTRPG community. And we send you to go tell them that they're awesome and you can find some new creators, some new shops, 
dice, candles, what have you. Mm. That's really all I got going on. It, it, go watch Supernatural. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's my parting words is, is go watch Supernatural. But yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Everyone embrace your inner Tumblr and, and go enjoy some Supernatural. Just have fun. Ignore the fandom, but watch the show. Oh, you know what? That's great advice in general. Yeah. Ignore the fandom. Go experience the thing. I think that that's the only way. <laughs> yeah. Take care of yourselves. <laughs> Please, God, thinking about you. Wear a mask. Yeah. Love you. Stay not on fire. Please stay safe if you're anywhere near. Yeah. This is the end of the podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wett, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com.